A small prop plane carrying three passengers and a pilot flies over Eastern Europe in a heavy storm that shakes the plane violently. The pilot yells back to his passengers to buckle their seatbelts and brace for impact. Moments later, we see the wreckage of the crash among dense coniferous trees. Out of the debris steps a bloody and shaken Mr. Bishop. Fuck! He screams to perhaps himself, perhaps to no one. Fuck! He takes out his phone amid the hard rain and near-blinding wind. Seeing no signal, he looks amid the wreckage and sees the passengers crushed or battered to death from the crash and the pilot bleeding and breathing heavily. Bishop stares at the pilot and after a moment reaches into the cockpit and yanks the radio from its housing. As he walks to what he thinks is the nearest town, he throws the radio into a nearby lake. Mary Madge Powers worked for the Lore Corporation as a field agent for almost three years before she was put in charge of her own team. The job paid well, the benefits were good, and since she was often given overseas missions, she got to see the world. This time around, she was in rural Romania, and as beautiful as the countryside was, it seemed she was too late. The medieval castle she was sent to look into had been destroyed during the Second World War. Apparently, after the Nazis had occupied part of it, locals blew the thing up in an act of resistance, though others said that Allied bombing obliterated the thing. Either way, what was left could only be found through exhaustive fieldwork, and truthfully, some luck. But apparently, not enough luck. When Madge arrived, there was already another group that was digging up the grounds of the castle. The combination of the sheer number of excavators and sudden terrible weather delayed most of her plans. The unseasonably strong storms made the already shoddy phone service worse, but she was able to get a hold of Mr. Bishop. After speaking to him, her plan to simply eliminate some of the key people involved and take over the operation herself were abandoned more because of logistical concerns than moral ones. When Mr. Bishop said he would be joining her team and bringing some reinforcements, she was relieved, but soon found that his arrival never materialized. Worse than that, apparently there had been some sort of significant discovery that was slated to be moved out of the area. The night before, she infiltrated the facility where it was held, the gale force winds outside the old farmhouse threatening to knock down the structure. As she approached under the cover of night, she heard a voice behind her. What you seek is here, said the sultry voice of a woman oddly familiar with English. Come to me, and I will show you what you want. As if drawn magnetically toward the source of the voice, Mary Powers found herself climbing to the top of the structure. On its roof, she looked over the dig site, currently bathed in sheets of rain, and said aloud, My God, it's almost unreal. Whether she slipped or jumped was not determined by local authorities. Dr. Prasad is getting things ready for the opening of a new exhibit regarding medieval Europe, the crown jewel of which is a sarcophagus found below a destroyed Romanian castle. As he hurriedly signs some papers, he hears a whisper. He looks at the sarcophagus, still in a crate packed with insulation to protect it, and he is drawn closer. Dr. Prasad places a white-gloved hand on the sarcophagus, and the whispers become louder. 
He sees visions of beauty, strength, and virility, and he grips the sarcophagus with both hands. As he seems to shudder in almost pre-orgasmic ecstasy, he tears off the white gloves and runs his hands over it. He probes the crevices of it, and still seems transfixed when he cuts himself on something sharp in one of the grooves. He sees his hand bleed, and a few drops of blood land on the sarcophagus, preternaturally traveling down subtle gullies built into the coffin. They end at the open mouth of the face that has been carved into it, and when they stop there, seem to boil and vanish. The whispers Dr. Persaud hears overcome the shock he had from cutting himself, and soon, the words repeated over and over in his head are on his lips. Bring me blood. This American Monster A Monster of the Week actual play from This American Dice We have a shot um, of Grant Childers, Roberta Hellinger's uh, stalker, basically, who was in a gunfight with you guys as she was turning into a werepanther. And we see him, like, looking down at you guys and shooting at you. We see a shot of him actually shoot you. So the first time on screen that we've seen in a season, Sundry, is um, we see him from far away and we see Grant Childers, like, shoot and we see kind of a close-up shot of sundry being like hit in the stomach or hit in the chest and um we see that shot back from grant childers like perspective where we're kind of seeing more of what he's seeing of the situation and one of the big deals is um seeing dark blade shoot at roberta hellinger and her kind of collapse And then soon after that, Ashton tried to drag her back to the van. And so while that's going on, you see kind of the the gunfight between Sundry and Darkblade and Mr. Welker and, um, and Grant Childers. And we see Grant Childers get shot and he's kind of trying to hold it together and hold it together. And we see that, um, like, the night falls. And as the night falls, like, he can hear this crazy, um, like, panther noise that's going on. And he looks back to that van where Roberta Hellinger had just been being dragged. And there's this creature that's, like, screaming and yelling and growling inside of it. And um, then we snap to Sundry in the emergency room. Maybe he's like coming to and he's like, well, you kind of wake up with a start and you definitely have not a breathing tube in, I don't think, but you're definitely like hooked up to an IV. You definitely have um, various monitors on yourself. Um, The uh, I think when you kind of wake up and your like heart rate spikes or whatever it is, there's like a lot of beeping that goes on and eventually a nurse comes in and she's like, oh. You're no a nurse. Yeah. And she nurse comes in and she's like, Oh, you're awake. Oh, you'd been out for, uh, 
You'd been out for a day or two. What, what year is it? Again, you've only been out for a day or two. Do you really? Hold on. What year? What year do you remember? And she runs through like, hold on, wait, shit, you are unconscious. And she runs through like little questions with you. Nice. Um, and uh, I think there's like maybe a little bit of you kind of being a smart ass for a second. Yeah, I can um, see that. I could also and, see him being like not entirely sober when this happened and then him losing a lot of blood. And so I don't know like how he'd react. Oh, okay. Well, I think one of the things that we brought up was that you had through a combination of like magical stuff and um, spending luck. That's what I, that's the magical stuff part of this. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, that you had kind of recovered much more quickly than you would have otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't in as bad a shape as he could have been. Right. And so I think you kind of get up and maybe at first you are fairly disoriented, but the disorientation kind of bleeds into smart ass responses. Yeah, I like that. And uh, she's she's kind of like, like, all right, well, he's like, hey, able... hey, doc, how many fingers am I holding up? If you're able to remember how to be a pain in the butt, then I'm sure uh, I'm sure you're not too out of it. I'll go get the doctor for you. Thank you, ma'am. There's maybe a medical chart nearby. Maybe the nurse had picked up your medical chart and rather than put it at the foot of the bed, stereotypically, um, she just kind of plops it right next to you. Oh, I'll read through that. And so you look through the thing. I, as a person who, again, the medical school I went to was uh, really just to teach you how to hide dog fighting rings. Mm. Um, but no, the... Um, Emory. I think you... Emory yeah. University School of Medicine. <laughs> the... The Michael Vick School of <laughs> Veterinary Medicine. Um, but yeah, so you kind of look through this thing, and one of the things you notice is you definitely got a transfusion. Yep. Um, you've definitely been out. It says, like, the date that you were admitted to the hospital. Mm. And yeah, you've been out for, let's say, two or three days. This is wash around? Um, probably. I don't see why it wouldn't be. It might be in, like, a little... If a couple um, days goes by, he just wants to see like how much closer to midnight it is now. Yeah. Um, okay. So if you if you kind of root around and find your stuff, there's maybe a um, oh there's a tiny set of drawers in this room, and you're able to like open that, and you just see your clothes, your watch, your wallet, that kind of stuff. And yeah, the what had we said was the way that the watch worked. Was it that it ticked down to midnight or just that the date on the watch was changing? The days left are counting down. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think so, that's yeah. right. Okay, so I think you just see, indeed, it does display that there are two fewer, however many you were out. So two fewer days than there had been before. Okay. So that number is lower. But it's still like in the millions? It's still like in the, yeah, whatever, whatever six months in this flashback, uh, whatever However six many months games we have yeah. left, <laughs> whatever, like, what was it at the time? Six, what's six times three, 18. It's like, yeah, like 180 something days. Nice. So now okay. it's like 178. 
Okay. Uh, he'll but, keep going through the, the chart. Yeah. So Maybe get, get dressed while he does it. Okay. You're kind of trying to put some stuff on and you look down and you can see that in your, on your abdomen, you've got like a bunch of bandages. And um, if you're brave enough to try to look under these bandages. Yeah. Just rip those off. Yeah. Um, I think you're, you're kind of like pulling those off at yourself and you've got kind of like sutures and whatnot, or maybe staples. Cause that looks way grosser. Yeah, definitely. Um, like in your, but you only have a few, there's only like three or four there. And when you move, you can feel on your back. There's also like three or four. Uh, that's going to mess up his old glory tattoo. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, <laughs> it clipped Daisy Duke's Confederate flag bikini bottom right off. No, no I explicitly <laughs> avoided <laughs> that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so There's nothing wrong with old glory. The, um, yeah, you you're doing that, and as you're like fingering these uh, staples that are in your um, your wound, uh, the doc there's a doctor who comes by, and um, the the doctor is kind of an older woman with short hair, and she's like, "Oh, Mister Charms, please don't. Those are healing fairly well, um, and they will heal very very well. In fact, those staples should actually be able to dissolve." Um, but please don't don't tempt fate by messing with them. He'll uh, uh, take one of his cigarettes out and be like, Doc, you got a light? She'll say, in this hospital, absolutely not. Outside, outside of here, that's, that's a different story. But Mr. Charms, I wanted to talk to you about a few things. And she'll uh, say like, okay, ma'am. Uh, and I, I just want to thank you for the good work you did. I can tell uh, it was a lot. You're welcome, Mr. Charms. I heard that uh, from some of your friends that you were injured while trying to help someone out in the state forest, and I can appreciate I can appreciate that. Uh, you're lucky. Um, you are lucky in that the the bullet passed through your body. It uh, shockingly managed to avoid m most of your major organs. Um, it did incredibly minor damage to uh, this and this. There was a lot of blood loss, though, and that was the major thing, and that you needed a transfusion. Um, and she'll kind of get into... She'll say, like, your blood type is such and such, which is very, very rare. It's difficult, usually, for someone with that blood type to get a... Um, to get a donor there's some hospitals uh in the state that don't have have blood of that variety huh on hand when you came in we did not have any blood of a variety that your body would accept we were um kind of scrambling to decide what to do we uh, looked at we tested all your friends um who had who had brought you in to see if any of them were donors, perhaps. We even asked various staff members uh, in case. Unfortunately, from those sources, we didn't find any. And so that's, I think, when it can be like... Hold on, you didn't find any from uh, from any of my friends? No, none of them were... Um, none of them were a match. That match is usually very rare. It tends to only be among people directly related to other folks with that same blood type. So it's well, not, it's not a surprise. 
That's the worst news I heard all day, Doc. She's like, um, well, I, I'm sorry. There's, there is, there was good news to it, as you can probably assume. Yeah, well, if, if it didn't come from, um, any of my friends, uh, where did it come from? Well, as you were admitted, there was, uh, the friend of another, another patient who came in who happened to hear about what was going on and chose to donate. This wasn't, uh, this was a visitor for another patient who had just come in that night. Unfortunately, I can't say too much, but, um, that person had, uh, I, I'd sure like to, th to thank this person. There's nothing you could tell me. I'm, I'm, I'd be happy to make it worth your while. Hmm. I don't like to be in a, another man or lady's debt. Ooh, that sounds like, uh, it can come from ladies, right? Yeah, and she'll she'll kind of laugh at that and say, "Yes, Mister Mister Charms, there's that that is that is possible to have blood transfusions between the different uh, different sexes." Um, and, and I'll still be okay. Yes. Um, yeah. Can you go ahead and just make a charm roll for me? A uh, total of five. Fuck. Okay. Oh, no, sorry. Total of seven. Total of seven is different. All right. Female blood doesn't take. Yeah, the female blood doesn't take. <laughs> every time, uh, every time you fall in water, you turn into a lady, mm -hmm. and then every time you are uh, eat a banana, you turn into a man. Every time spicy food, you turn into a car. <laughs> it's very crazy. You're it's a turbo... actually a superhero game now. Yeah, exactly. It's real nuts. It's a turbo teen slash. I forget the name of the anime I was referencing. She's reluctant to give you this information, Mister Charms. I, I'm reluctant to tell you this information. Um, normally we don't provide that. The person didn't explicitly want this kept secret, but our hospital policy is to not divulge the name of um, donors unless they have explicitly desired that information or they're known to both parties, in which case it wouldn't be necessary anyway. But after so many news stories that we've heard about um, shortages, particularly of your blood type, Mr. Charms, I don't like to ask this of a patient, especially one who's just come out of the traumatic experience that you have, but if you could please come back here. Donate semen. And, and uh, <laughs> maybe she'll, <laughs> she literally like pauses, like, <laughs> like, oh my God. Well, it's twice as good as blood, right? Mr. Charms, if you could change a few of your habits and then come back and donate blood, even semi-regularly, you would literally be saving lives. Ma'am, I'd be happy to do that. And she'll, and she'll, she'll thank you like profusely. And she'll say, there was a man who came by and uh, she'll go over to a computer and like type some stuff in. And um, she'll say like, huh. The name of the donor, and she'll she'll kind of absent-mindedly, like she's not finding information she thinks she's going to find, and so she ends up saying otherdently, where she'll say the name of the patient, um, the name of the patient who came in and who passed away. Okay. Um, this was the person that the donor was visiting. That person was named Harry Stone. 
Um, and Harry Stone was a man who came in um, and a visitor of his. And she'll say, like, I remember that man. And she'll she de she describes some aspect where you're like, I know that that's Mr. Heck. What is the thing that she describes? Hmm. Uh, black Stetson. She's like, he was wearing a black Stetson. He had these piercing eyes. Deep voice. I cannot believe that it's not. I'm going to have to talk to Harry Heck. She'll say. Oh, fuck. Did I give the other guy the name Harry Stone? Yep. Oh, well, we haven't so we haven't decided upon Mr. Heck's first name. We just have been calling him Mr. Heck. Hmm. How about um, how about Harold? Maybe. But she'll she'll say, Heck, that sounds familiar. I think that may have been it. Well, Is I that just, a man that you know? I, I might just know that man. Huh. If so, I uh I owe him a debt. She'll say, Well, Again, he didn't specifically ask us to to tell you about this. And while it's not illegal per se, it's a, not within our policy. But again, Mr. Charms, that man's donation of blood saved your life. If you could change just a few things, a few donations of yours each year could change these people's lives. A change um, people could save lives too. And that's, uh, this is like, good. The way I figure that's the least I could do. So I got to start paying back some of what I owe. Um, she'll say, well, Mr. Charms. And I think this is where like the volume kind of starts to fade down and she'll take out your chart and say, we wanted to talk to you about blood work that you've been going th that you've been going through um like liver enzymes that are in your blood are at a bad level that's starting to become dangerous there's various th uh, things that suggest kidney issues that are dangerous um and she'll say like you need to change your habits and you hear her saying that um and you need to change them not just for us for you to donate this blood but also for your own health on this track, if you keep things up the way you are, there's a chance that you could be dead in about six months. The first thing to know is that there have been storms, wild, unseasonable storms, for about a week and a half or two weeks. They came around June and saw hail, incredibly strong winds, and heavy, heavy rain. Numerous people were hospitalized because of minor injuries due to car accidents amid these hailstorms. Other people suffered uh, leaky roofs. Others suffered uh, flooding. And again, all of this was very unseasonable. But then, about a week and a half ago, maybe two weeks, the storm suddenly stopped, and there haven't been any unseasonable storms since then. It's still Florida, and you'll get these flash, sudden, heavy rains. But the crazy hailstorms, the really, really intense winds, those have gone away.
I think we have a shot of Mr. Welker, and he is driving. And unlike in normal circumstances, he's driving alone. And we see that he's driving for kind of a distance. And we can kind of see a lot of countryside out around him. And maybe he looks next to him on the passenger seat, and he sees a um, he sees a file that's just kind of th- like plopped down there, maybe um, paper clipped shut, or maybe it's in a briefcase or something like that. As you're kind of driving, you remember a conversation that you had on the phone earlier, and um, we can like kind of hop back to that. And you can tell me if this should be a conversation on the phone or if this should be a conversation in person. But it's a conversation you're having with Anna Cross, who is um, one of the Lore Corporation um, oh, like, I assistant executives. Yeah. Oh, she's like one of the, the top like owners, right? She's Yeah, she's one of the... Um, I think it's like junior executive oh, in right. charge of special projects or something like that, where it's like she was kind of, she was the one meeting with you and Ashton to um, kind of discuss certain things with you about like the points of your missions and what you're supposed to make sure to do. Cool. Okay. But yeah, so. Um, She she had contacted you, and I think we can like kind of begin almost in media res of this phone call that kind of came out of uh, seemingly out of the blue after the events of the last inter mystery stuff, and uh, she asks you, you know like, "Hello, Mister Welker. I hope you're doing well." Of course, um, Wells in the name, <laughs> after all. Well, given my name, I'm sure my family must have been a part of the seminary at some point. Mr. Welker, we were hoping that you might do some follow-up on a previous assignment. It would go a long way to... It's not so much of a loose end, but something that simply would make the boys and girls in R&D... Well, really, our medical research and clinical team. We need you to go to Robert and Karen Hellinger's and get her parents to sign some documents for us. Sure, is it just something we missed in the first time around? We want to make sure that all our I's are dotted and our T's are well crossed. She kind of presents this initially as just almost as if there were there was some extra paperwork and we want to make sure that we've got everything as thoroughly done as possible. Um, But could you make a sharp roll for me? Sorry to have you roll so quickly off the bat here. Uh, You know, I'm not even warmed up. Now I, I get this old die rolling hand going. This old die rolling. I got a five. Awesome. Okay, so um, you can tell from what she's discussing with you that that's not really the case. I think you can kind of tell that like uh, that's not quite the deal. This isn't just an issue of like, oh, it turns out there were some extra papers or this is just a formality. Like there's an additional aspect to this that she's not getting into per se here. Sure, I'm not a total dummy and it seems pretty obvious, but nothing else. Got it. So, oh, I mean, if you if you get into it like. If you bring up some kind of question with her, I'll definitely tell you this stuff, and I have some other ideas of problems that could come up from that field role down the road. 
if you've got something waiting, I'm ready to just be hit by that. Okay. Well, um, well then mean, I think. Uh, yeah. I think I mean, you can just go ahead. No, I mean I'm ready. To, I'm ready to do it. Just like sure, send me the documents. And I'll I'll head over there. I'm sure they'll be happy to hear how their daughter's doing. Sure. Because, oh. Well. Right. Oh, of course, of course, definitely well. And I think maybe then this next conversation occurs after you get these documents. And so maybe at home you have a fax machine or um, it can just be printed out or whatever it is. Fax um, machine. Yeah, I know. A fax machine. Or maybe the documents have to be like sent to you. And so they're like overnighted to you. And so the next day you got this packet of documents and it is basically documents. Um, maybe you're like, okay, absolutely. I'll get these. And you take them out of the thing. You put them into a folder and they fall out of the folder, and so you see what some of them are. Oh. And it's pretty easy for you to figure out um, that they are documents to have her parents sign over power of attorney to, um, like, a subsidiary of the Lore Corporation. Meaning that, what, like, all of her assets? Um, all of her dis legal decision-making abilities could instead be made by the lore, this subsidiary of the Lore Corporation. Got it. So yeah. she would no longer be a... Within, I'm sure, Alex and Lee could perhaps correct me on this one, but at least, like, like for instance, medical decisions would no longer be made by her. They'd be made by the subsidiary of the Lore Corporation. Oh, and I think the reason they had to be overnighted to you rather than uh, faxed or anything like that is you already see that she has signed this. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. So Roberta Hellinger has already signed this stuff, um, like signed these various documents. Sure. Yeah, this all seems like what I, what I signed on for. It's her signature right there, you know? Let's do okay. this. Cool. So then we got that scene of you kind of driving out to uh, Dreefield and um, heading out to Robert and Karen's place. And they'll talk to you. You had spoken to them ever so briefly before. And they recognize you and they'll ask you, you know, oh, how is how is Roberta doing? And um, uh, I think in this packet there are either like physical photos or maybe like an iPad with a bunch of photos like on it. Um, what are some things that are like images that are like, Oh, Roberta's doing just fine. Uh, pictures of her, like in very neutral positions, like sitting on a bench um, picture of which is not looking at her, like drinking from a water fountain, um, multiple pictures of her, like, walking around outside but if you notice they're all around the same building um no pictures of her with other people um and uh yeah and like one picture of her like looking really tired and like uh um and it's like looking off in the distance okay so yeah so you get there, they're kind of like looking over these pictures. And again, like I said, either do you think they're physical photos that are like printed out or do you think they're on oh, an iPad? Absolutely. They're physical photos that have been printed out. Okay. 
so Robert and Karen are looking these things over. And again, Robert is like a Tom Hanks-esque kind of character. And Karen is, uh, looks a lot like Amy Ryan who played Holly in the office. And they're looking these over and they're like, it's been a while since we've heard from her. Um, it's good to see that she at least looks okay. I mean, she looks a little thin. And I think the other one says, like, oh, Roberta was always, Birdie, that's what they call her. Birdie was always thin. Yeah. Yeah, and, some um, comes natural to him, you know? It's not, life's not fair. And, uh, yeah, they, I think they kind of, like, acknowledge that, like, like little joke for a second. But it's, like, it's, like, such a tiny acknowledgement. It's almost just as, like, yeah. And then, but they're back to this thing. And they're, like, they'll ask you, you know, why did you, maybe uh, Karen Hellinger will say, like, well, I, I appreciate these pictures, but what are all these papers? Oh, um, Roberta asked to pass along these documents through Lord Corp, of course, um, to you so that she could uh, better facilitate her treatment. Oh, they, she just wants us to have copies of these, or do we need to, oh, no, to do need something? To, you'll need to sign, and now that I think about it, why would they need to sign? That is a good question. I think that they need to be, um, like, sign on as almost witnesses to basically say like, yes, this is good as like basically the people who, Oh, here's the deal. If she was incapacitated, they would be the people who would have power of attorney since they basically need to, she has signed her stuff as saying like, Hey, I maybe can't make these decisions on my own. I need someone else to, they're the people on file to make those decisions. They're signing it over to a company. Makes sense. And I'll explain it basically just like that be like um as you know her treatment is, is really uh cutting edge one of a kind even and um decisions need to be made in real time and what better people make those decisions than the ones who invented the technology what is the name of the subsidiary that's doing this um like rehabilitation um sunburst systems Sunburst. Uh, medical systems. The SMS. Oh, and then there's a thunderstorm in Dreefield. That was ominous. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Again, all day long, it has looked like it's going to pour. And uh, at 7.20 p.m., it decided finally to start thundering. Anyway, but yes. Yeah, so uh, I think they're skeptical of this whole prospect and they're a little bit bothered. They're like, we'd really like to talk to her. We really want, um, we really want to be like, you haven't talked to her. And they'll say, no, we got, um, I think they'll say like, we got a letter initially, but we haven't received. Oh, I think that this is what she'll, what they'll say. We've gotten letters. Great. That's, that's really, you know, it's really impressive when someone in that, that generation can be bothered to take the time to write. You're, you must be very proud parents. I and I think one of them, maybe maybe Robert Hellinger, will say like, I I I know that's not her. I know that was never her style. She was always either texting or 
uh, on online. So maybe that's what it is, but it just doesn't seem like her in these letters. Oh, damn. That was timed. Well, well, you know, it's been a crazy few months for her. I, I have no doubt. I mean, you know that better than me, obviously. Um, you know, maybe she feels like she needs to, to keep herself at a distance. Maybe letter writing is how she does that. I, and I think, and I think we'll kind of like move from here in a second. But I think one of the parents, again, maybe Karen, who just says like, you know, we'd be willing to go there and stay. I would for sure. I haven't worked in a while. Um, I'd be willing to go there and if they need to make any decisions, they could just, they could call me. I could, I could be there right away. This just seems, it seems so strange to have her, to have her so far away. And she'll like, look at the papers and kind of like imply that these are making that even further. I understand that, you know, I'm a parent too. And I feel like, um, I wouldn't want to let my kids any further out of my sight than I absolutely had to. But I can also tell you that if something like what happened to your daughter happened to my to my girl, that these would be the first people I'd bring her to. And that's that's the gospel truth. And I think they'll kind of nod. They'll maybe give you there's the rain. They'll maybe give you some coffee or some more coffee or more tea or whatever it is. I think uh, Robert Hellinger even is like, like, oh, uh, we bought, we bought cake. If you want some, I mean, I'd hate to. It's a long drive back into town or into. It's a long drive back into Palmetto City proper, and they'll like try to offer you some kind of refreshments. Um, Walker won't stay longer than he has to to get okay. some paperwork done. Uh, at some point after this, he's gonna want to like, he'll at some point he's gonna ask Cross some questions, but that can be at a later date. You kind of turn down some more coffee or more tea, and they kind of slowly. You can tell that this is weighing on them, and they'll sign this paperwork. So they do sign this for sure, and they'll give these back to you, and they'll say um, they'll ask you know like oh can we get copies of these. And I think the the forms are. Um, what do you, what do you think? Would they be like like oh here these are in triplicate, and so they get a copy and yeah, I don't see why not. Okay, so like they already have a copy of this exact thing. They're kind of holding on to these as they kind of wave goodbye to you. I think uh, Karen Hellinger is on on the computer, just like a desktop computer, going to the. Um, what did we just call it? The Sunburst Medical Systems. The Sunburst Medical Systems website and looking over their um, extended care and rehabilitation centers, their uh, their various clinics, and they're looking up all this stuff and their research. And, yeah. As he leaves, Walker, the last thing he says will be, um, I understand what it's like um, to worry. Um but I can guarantee you there's no one else doing what Lord Corp does. I think that Ashton and Reagan are on a date. And um, 
maybe this time you went someplace downtown. So you're kind of in like the downtown area. You're walking around. It's near your apartment. And um, I think you guys are on your way to someplace that's either a bar or a restaurant. Um, And it's like a little bit different from what you're used to doing. It's much more kind of hip. And it's, it's in this area that's very like much more within like the urban center of the city. And Reagan can tell you like, was just kind of talking about other things and uh, how she liked the, likes this bar or restaurant and how she heard of it. And she'll say like, it's a shame that that mansion is going to get sold Oh, that that one that uh, the last guy was born in, I guess, right? Yeah, Alan Graves. Alan Graves' family's family's mansion, the Magnolia Place mansion. Um, And I think the thing that prompts her to say this is you guys pass by a museum. And passing by this museum, she says, like, I guess it's... um, Remember, you saw that we saw that thing in the paper that said since there was no... Um, basically no one owned the property anymore. Um, it was just being, the state was going to auction it off. I guess there were people who got pretty upset about that since it was supposed to be a historical site. Um, so I guess it's not too bad. Uh, some kind of foundation bought it. Oh, do you know, uh, which one? She'll... I think stop like kind of out like on the street and she'll be like, hold on. And she'll try to look it up and pretty quickly. She can find out like, Oh, it's called the lane foundation. L a N E the lane foundation. Hmm, Never heard of them. She says, I want to say I have, but I'm not positive. Um, it's some kind of, you know, like if you're listening to the radio and they say that this is supported by this foundation and this foundation, or you're watching PBS and they say supported by this group and this group and viewers like you, I guess this is one of those yeah, kind of I've, foundations. Um, I have a tote bag at home. Well, I guess this is one of those groups. Oh, okay. So I guess that thing's been at least either purchased or it's in the works with the state government or the county government. Um, And I guess people are pretty happy about that. So, I mean, it's better than it could be, but that whole situation was odd. Yeah. Yeah. Still, um, yeah. And how much? Um, how much did we tell her? Did we basically tell her everything. I kind of forget at this point. We we mean you. Yeah, you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Yes. <laughs> you the royal we. Um, you had told her a bit more. You and Reagan went on that date and met up with Doctor Lester to discuss 
um, some oh, things. Yeah, sure. You showed her the different symbols that you had found. Mm-hmm. Um, she knows you work for the Lore Corporation doing this stuff. Um, yeah, and you had said specifically that like some people believed in this kind of like witchcraft or sorcery so much that they were willing to... And I think you were trying to play it off as... Um, Cody Brinzo got so crazy about it and he tried to kill people, but then you were like, but some people believe it enough to uh, have it affect them even after they're dead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So maybe uh, Ashton will say, um, yeah, at least it's not one of these, um, you know, crazy occult organizations. Hopefully if they donate to, I mean, NPR, they've got to be good. Right. say well she'll she'll kind of give like some kind of comment that would be the equivalent of somebody who would listen to NPR or it's like oh well not really crazy about some of their uh, some of their attempted uh, some of their attempted neutral coverage but I just wonder if maybe they'll get into any of that I hope that they're not going to try to I hope they're not going to try to build anything over it I don't know Anyway, um, what are the leftovers that she has from whatever this restaurant uh, or bar slash restaurant that you went to? Oh, you said it was like a hipster kind of place? It was more hip for sure, yeah. So as opposed uh, just, to like, uh, well, we, we got a pumpernickel loaf and half a blooming onion. Right. Yeah, it's just uh, one of these paper boxes of edamame. We couldn't finish them all. Just so many of those little green beans. Uh, there is usually a homeless person that every time you and Reagan have been out on a date, you have encountered the same homeless person every time you've been downtown. Um, what is a memorable aspect of this homeless person? Uh, he is a cat. He's a cat. Um, <laughs> he he has committed every crime known to man. <laughs> and when he does it, he disappears and goes, McCavity. Okay. <laughs> So Reagan says, wake oh, up, what if he's just wake up, like you've been hit by a car. Oh. That was all yeah. in your head. What if he, okay. Uh-huh. Um, what if he's wearing like a cat t-shirt, like every time? Just like awesome. one of those like cat mom t-shirts, you know? Okay, yeah. So he's got a cat t-shirt that like um, has little, like a, had like tassels for like cat toys, like hanging off of it. And <laughs> sure. um, yeah, where it looks like the cat is playing with it, but they're kind of like swaying, but they're it's older, so it's just kind of like frayed string that's dangling down at this point. And um, mm-hmm. usually you'll kind of like walk past this guy, and he'll um, sometimes he'll ask for change. He's but he's never he's never nasty. He's never um, um, like bothersome particularly. And I think at some other point Reagan had given him some like leftover food and she seems to be looking for this person and saying like, Oh, I'm really surprised we haven't seen the guy in the cat sweat, the cat shirt. Oh yeah. Yeah. Could you make a sharp roll for me? So that is an eight total. Eight total. All right. So the last uh, week or so, has maybe the last two weeks, there has been really terrible weather in Palmetto City and the surrounding areas. Um, one, it's it's unseasonably bad weather. 
Uh, I think, Mr. Welker, as you were driving to Dreefield, maybe you were encountering some of this. A week and a half, two weeks ago, this kind of crazy weather subsided. But for a few weeks before that, there had been like a lot of really unseasonable storms. One of the weirdest things was, especially for June, which it is, I think it's like later June, um, hail storms and like significant hail. And I think you can remember stories like uh, reading stories online of people in Palmetto City like, oh, three people are injured in car accidents because of these hail storms, like that kind of stuff. So these really unseasonable storms. So at first you're like, oh, well, those storms had a, a, had stopped in the last week and a half, two weeks. But maybe that did something with some of the folks that we would usually see. And that's the thing that you notice is that there are, it's not just this guy in the cat shirt. A lot of the folks that you encounter that are like homeless folks in this area, you haven't seen almost any of them. So once you notice that the guy in the cat shirt is not there, there is a suspicious lack of these homeless folks in an area that in the past has had a lot of homeless folks there. What is the, the scene that we first see the whole team back together? Maybe they're playing putt-putt golf. You guys are playing putt-putt golf? Yeah. Yeah, Sunny you know what? Sonny wanted to ease back into things with the team building exercise. Exactly. You know what? It's like a physical therapy. But it's so damn frustrating. Like, <laughs> the course is so poorly designed. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I think that actually really, really works out because it's a... Uh... You need a hole-in-one on course seven, but it's fucking impossible. <laughs> and of course, they won't tell you which one's the, the mystery hole for today, so you don't know which one to try your yeah. hardest on. Yeah, and they're giving stuffed animals to seven-year-old children. Well, fucking professional golfers over here can't even get their goddamn clubs in time. Yeah. One of us so, throws this club into the tiny little, like, windmill, watermill lake. I think that this, uh, I think that this irate attitude actually works out very, very well for Sundry. Because I think, Sundry, one of the reasons maybe you pushed that this be the place that you guys go rather than a restaurant is they specifically don't have alcohol here. Yeah. Do you bring your own alcohol? No. Uh, yeah, so that's that is one of the things that Sundry. I don't know. I don't know how noticeable that would be, Lee. You could tell me that of like if they notice me. it right away, or if you're like, "Hey, everybody, listen up! I'm sober." No, he he just smells less than usual. He's maybe okay. slight, slightly less charming. Oh, Mr. Walker will have brought a flask in an attempt to be cool. Be like, <laughs> I brought. You know, we, we can still have a good time, guys. Offers it to Sundry first. Sundry will take a smell of it and be like, uh, "Piss on this weak shit." Walker will be like slightly offended, but won't show it. It's like, all right. He's you guys like, should uh, try the Choco Tacos. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're kind of melted, but they are two for one back at the at the Caddy Shack. I There's think like a yogurt flavor to them too, which I've never had. I think Darkblade had gotten um, several of them for people, but he got them at the very beginning. And you guys are already on like whole, like you said, like uh, seven or eight. You're about halfway through this uh, mini golf experience and they are definitely melted. They're in, they're an in individual rapper, so it's not crazy, but it's like he's got like a, it's like, like a water balloon of 
milk product in his hand. Ugh. Gross. Um, Walker it's will just say like... to Charms, uh... It's just like Gogurt. The... I mean, come on. You could just you just tear a little you just tear a little <laughs> corner off, and then you drink it out. This is actually probably the way it's designed to be. I'm not uh, giving another know. dime to this place until I get my money back for a whole seven. Welcome <laughs> uh, to say, uh, Mr. Charms. I I hope you're as pleased as we are to have you back on our team. Uh, we've really missed you. I missed you guys too, uh, real bad. Is is it just you four, or like, do you guys have like, is Mister Welker's wife there? Is Reagan oh, there? Is is so? Is it like like, hey, the the company picnic, everybody get together, we work together, you guys can meet the family and that kind of stuff, or is it just like, hey guys, let's just have a bros sesh after work, go get some, play some mini golf. I feel Harry, like Harry Hex there, and Sundry's holding his hand. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like a Welker's party he wants to keep business and family separate. But gotcha. I would say it'd, be, it'd be hilarious if either of the other people's girlfriends were there. Yeah, Harry Heck is there holding his hand. We got ourselves a civil union. Um, Sundry's wearing a dog collar. Yeah, it's just called marriage now. You guys need to change your perspectives. Um, but yeah, so okay, so then theoretically, it's just the four of you guys. At first, you, it was a tax thing, but now I'm kind of into it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so you guys are there. You're on yeah, whole eight or eight or so. Uh, Dark Blade is sucking choco taco drippings out of a, the corner of one of these uh, these things. And um, like I said, the storms in this area had been insane. About a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago, it stopped, but it had been going nuts. Like it had been incredibly unseasonable. Like all the the weather reports were like, this isn't something we've seen. Oh, I can't remember ever seeing this. And, and in rage. fact, I think there's there's some there's some evidence of damage from either hail or heavy rain or heavy wind on this course. What if there's one of those like uh, uh, almost I want to say paper mache, but that's not what they're made of. But one of those giant dinosaur things and it just has uh, all these like dimples on the back now. OK, there's one, there's one hole. Where you gotta like put 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 the ball in the hole, right? And then it it goes through this long tube and it spits out uh, at, on another part of the course, and it's it's basically impossible to get a hole in one, all right? Because uh, you gotta go through this this uh, plumbing situation. The plumbing's all fucked up now. Always the plumbing. All right. So it was basically impossible before, but now it's like. Totally impossible. And Sundry knows this intimately. Yeah. He's been here more. Yeah, than <laughs> yeah. He can get a hole in one. All right. He's done he, it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a rain We're... issue. This is not a performance issue. Okay, so yeah, I like I'm, I like I like I like those things. The uh, there's like a it's it's Florida. So there's like a dinosaur slash. I pulled, I pulled a, a handful of leaves out of this hole. There's right. like a dinosaur slash alligator creature that's like uh it looks like people have wailed on it with golf clubs mm -hmm. and sundry knows because again he's been here before uh he he was drunk at the time but he he's pretty sure he remembers that the texture of this alligator not looking like uh a, a weird holiday gourd of divots and um then the other thing is yeah whole whole nine 
when you guys get to the ninth hole, that's the one with that crazy situation that Lee just described, where you have to normally hit it into a hit it into one hole and it goes through some pipes and it spits it out on like a lower level of the golf course. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, they've set up this like really lame ass like temporary thing of like, oh, you just hit it into this, and once it goes in that area, that's the hole. Cowards. Um, and the reasoning is because there's so much uh, like leaves and other stuff from the trees that have like clogged up that tube that they need to fix this tube. Yeah, I get it. You know, natural disasters happen. We can't, uh, we can uh, play dice with God, you know, but uh, if, if we can't make putt-putt golf work, what's the point of human civilization? And Walker will try to take this very seriously. Let's be like, of course, yeah, you know, if we get the little things wrong, then how can we trust with the big things? I mean, I would, we'd catch uh, charms up on the perfunctory stuff, like what's been going on with Lorcor, which I guess isn't that much as far as he's concerned. Okay. We'll tell him about the witch case. And we'll tell him also that we didn't feel like we needed to tell Lorcor about it. Did you listen to any of this, the witch stuff, Lee? No, I didn't get any of it. Unless you sent it to me, Austin. I, I may not have. That 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 may have been on me. Basically, like, um, basically we had this like witch-related case, but the long and short of it is we didn't end up telling Lorcor about it because we didn't have like a specimen for them at the end. Um, okay. That's but, a, Sundry would have been on board with that outcome. But uh, one good thing is, like, Winters is more on our side, and it's partly because he believes that we can um, uh, be advantageous to his position in the police department. Oh, okay, cool. So if you ask me, y'all are heroes. There you go. Detective Winters had actually asked you guys to possibly look into something, and uh, something that he thought was odd, but that he almost something he thought was weird but he almost didn't want to look into himself if that makes sense yeah oh i mean that's that's exactly what we're on board for so um i think maybe he contacted uh chase woker about this at some point and basically said the downtown area has been extremely quiet mm-hmm. like yeah. for the last week and a half two weeks there have been so much less problems. There's, it's so Fewer. much less of an issue. The, um, yeah, that uh, it's almost suspicious. He goes, "There's nothing for me to look into because literally there aren't problems." I say, uh, "Sounds like you don't know how to relax, Detective Winters." You know, say, I mean, look, there's still other stuff. There's traffic violations and that kind of shit. People running red lights and getting caught on cameras and that kind of thing. But the usual stuff, guys screaming and yelling in a de- convenience store downtown. And we have to come out there and shoo them away or haul them down to the station for the night. Um, somebody's so drunk that they're throwing up on the library steps in the morning or that kind of thing. Like, that's, it's not going on. Uh, we're usually hauling in. We're usually hauling in uh, so many more, so many more drunks and homeless folks that are running into this or that, and we're just not. It's like again, it's good news. It's just so weird. 
alright. And uh, Wilker is just like, this is ridiculous. But in an effort to get on his good side, like, you know what? Absolutely. You think it's weird? Then I think it's weird. And if I think it's weird, the team thinks it's weird. And if the team thinks it's weird, Lorecorp thinks it's weird. And if Lorecorp thinks it's weird, then we're on it. Cool. So, yeah, so you had gotten that message from Detective Sloan Winters earlier. Um, and as you guys are, as uh, Sundry is, is jamming the handle of his golf uh, golf club, his putter into this hole, trying to dislodge the leaves and other kind of shit in there that he's like, I can get this thing working, damn it. Um, yeah, that's that's something that you're reminded of. I say we we leave this, uh, you know, fifty cent golf course. Say, so, uh, well, I wanted to start off slow uh, in honor of you, Mister Charms, but we do have a lead from Winters. If you guys feel like taking a stroll through in um, suspiciously quiet neighborhood, no, I'm fired up. I'm okay, taking this golf club. Let's go bring trouble where there ain't any. I like the way that sounds. All right, so do you guys just head to like the main downtown area? Let's head to the main downtown area. All right. So we'll say it's like a Thursday night. It's downtown um, area. Area? No, let's call it. It's. Tuesday night. Is it? It's Monday night. Fuck it. Okay, so it's Monday night. You guys were just at a, a like mini golf course, and now you're kind of walking around, or maybe you drive over there. And yeah, it's a Monday night, so it's inherently a little bit quieter than normal, than certainly on like a weekend. But as you guys are driving around... Is there uh, anything that kind of uh, anybody wants to bring up? Am I missing something? Who farted? It was, yeah. It was me. Um, I don't think so. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll just directly ask then. Uh, David, is Ashton going to bring up that he has also noticed that it's been a lot quieter in the exact area that Detective Winter said, hey, it's a lot quieter around here at this point? Uh, okay, sure. Is 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 that something you would bring up or something you I, just wouldn't? I was downtown. Um, I mean, he's not trying to hide it. I Maybe as when Mr. Welker was saying like, oh yeah, I, you know, I went down the other day and my favorite homeless man was missing. Um, Walker will say, uh, well, you spend a lot more time in the downtown area than I do. And I know, you know, I'm, I'm a little aged out for that. He says, is there anything to this from winters? Or is he just a, a cop with nothing to do? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, I don't go down on, downtown that often either but i mean i think you actually live you live downtown 
I never leave my house. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I did notice it was quieter, but I don't, I don't think that's a, something that we sh should be overly concerned about normally. I don't know. Do you? doesn't seem that strange to me, but, um, you know, you know, son, sometimes, um, sometimes you just gotta play the part. All right, here, here you go, Austin. Maybe, uh, this is, this could kick things off perhaps. I do have that, that move that I get, I can get like a vision of the future. Um, the beginning of a mystery. Do you want me to do that? I think I roll weird and I get, um, kind of like a vision of a future, although I'm quite awesome. bad at weird, which will be great. Cool. Yeah, that works perfectly. So you guys are driving around in this van and Ashton maybe zones out for a little while. Go ahead and make mm -hmm. that roll. Maybe even falls asleep. Oh, per <laughs> oh yeah, perfect. I got a uh, six. You got a six. Okay. Uh, is there a is there a reasonable way anyone can help you with this? Or is it just more interesting if you fail? Um, I'm fine. I'm fine with missing on the, on a miss. It says something bad is going, you have, I guess, a vision of something bad is going to happen to you, which is pretty great. Is it, you have yeah, if anyone vision? can think of an interesting idea. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. It says on a miss, something bad is going to happen to you. You zone out in the car and you kind of fall asleep. <laughs> and so you guys are kind of driving around and being like, yeah, it is pretty quiet out here. Maybe talking about like, Oh, well, it's a Monday night. Uh, things are quieter inherently. Plus, with all that crazy weather, maybe that's part of the issue. That like folks are just not ready to come out because they think it'll just start hailing, or there'll be a crazy storm that'll kick up. Um, and Ashton, meanwhile, and you have a vision of just like being at your house and hearing skittering and chittering noises. Kind of like wait, what's going on? And you go to go to the lights and you like can't turn them on. You're like trying to find a light switch, but it's just not there. And you feel these things at your legs and you realize you're just like, your floor is covered in rats. There's just rats all over the place. They're as dense as like a shag rug as they're kind of scurrying around all over the carpet or all over your floor. And they're kind of crawling up your legs. What is, what is a terrifying thing that you see that relates to uh, blood? Because we we already saw that from the uh, the the hook. What is something that relates to blood that you see in this nightmare? Did they just mm, bite you a bunch um, and you're bleeding? Are the rats covered in blood? Oh, I was thinking similar to that, maybe maybe more graphic. But I was thinking, uh, he tries to get out of this, uh, you know, floor of rats, this rat carpet, and uh, maybe jumps up, does the stereotypical like jumps up on a couch or something. And then he just notice, notices from his, you know, uh, like knee down. It's like degloved, you know, it's just like muscle and sinew left, like bleeding all over his couch or something disgusting. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, and you're like, you're looking down at your legs and you're like, uh, 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 uh. And you look uh, to the side and you see an image of... Uh, you, you see Reagan saying like, Ashton, are you okay? And you're like, like looking down at your legs again. And when you look back up at her, like all of her skin is off and she's just like coming oh God, yeah. toward you. And then, uh, yeah, you just wake up being like, ah! mm -hmm. in the back of the van. This American monster is a production of this American dice. 
This American monster uses the Monster of the Week system, a game published by Evil Hat Productions and by Michael Sands. Sundry Charms is Lee. Chase Welker is Carl. Darkblade69 is Alex. Ashton Green is David. And your Game Master is Austin Smith. Our theme song is by Patrick Ross. It's called Sinlude. Additional music for this game included Tend to It by Osiris Saline and Japanese Doll by Yaka Anima. On a Cross was played by Kate Hoffman. Please join us next week for This American Monster on This American Dice.